Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. It's been another fun show where the Macatrillo Scorch Earth policy has continued. That's right. No? See, you're proud of it. I just give you my honest opinion. Do people come up to you now, and and what do they say to you about your rants? Well, they love it. At least for the people that I've talked to. They find it entertaining, and actually a lot of them agree. Okay, but you got you can't just have Luke and Mark's opinion. You've got to have, like, more than just that. They're your kids. Well, that hasn't happened a lot this year, has it? So is that what they yell when it's time to get up and leave the dinner table now? Because it doesn't happen on home runs. (laughs) Actually, they say that Mark actually says that when I try to get him to say please, and I say, what do you say? And he says, all right. Oh, boy. <clears throat> and then apparently when they get up in the morning, they always wake Lisa up by, like, either saying all rise or they're doing the Eagles chant or whatever. It's pretty funny. Because they're sharing yeah, a room really, now as we wait for baby number three. It's really funny unless you're the one being – they're waking you up. Then it's not so funny. See, you're not there. Like my fillings moved. All right, uh, let's uh, get our play-by-play call of the day. Watson under center. Steelers showing blitz. Long count. Play action fake. He's back. There's and Alex. the ball is out of the Steelers. Yes. Pick it up. And that's T.J. Watt running for the end zone. Steelers with the touchdown. The strip by Highsmith. And his bookend buddy Watt scooped and scored. And the Steelers take the lead. How about that? That was the one that put them in front 26-22. That was the final. Bill Hillgrove with the call on the Steelers radio network and 100.9 The Valley. Well, you're lucky that your kids root for the Eagles. Because I'm not so sure that they can spell Steelers. <laughs> Mommy's been trying, but has been unsuccessful. Yeah. There you go. And who do you have this week? The Bengals? Eagles are at Tampa on Monday night. Uh, Tampa on Monday night. Okay. Yeah. All right. Two undefeated teams, sort of. Tampa's defense is pretty good. Oh, yeah. This 
I, I, I it's not going to be an easy game for the Eagles next week. Like I said yesterday, Tampa's a better team than I think we all thought. And defensively, yep, they're a good defense. And also, too, with Todd Bowles there, Jalen Hurts is going to face some of the similar stuff that he's been seeing in the first two weeks, and he struggled against it. So that's that's a little bit of a concern, but we'll, we'll see how things shake out. I'll watch. I'm, I won't pace like you. You'll pace like a madman. I'll be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Uh, email from Learfield here. Let's see, what do they want now? Okay. No problem. I can handle it. We're good. Loves your rants, by the way. I appreciate it. No, he didn't say that. I just said that to make you feel better. All right. Um, <laughs> nobody comes up to you and says, you're a little off the rails? I mean, some people come up and say, you know, you, you got you got a little uh, uh, tense sometimes. Over-emotional? Yeah, but... They say they find it, they find it entertaining. And that's what we're here for. We're here to inform and entertain. I said the same thing about the uh, train and bus incident in the fugitive. I thought I found it to be entertaining. I see a lot of similarities. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> no. All right. So uh, let's get into uh, Penn State football here for a little bit. Um, We talked about Iowa. And Iowa is a team, and I think everybody knows the depth chart by now for Iowa. Jazzy and Patterson is not on the depth chart, the running back. Caleb Johnson, who came in with the idea that he was going to be the lead guy, not on the depth chart. And Luke Lachey, and he was in a boot at the end of the uh, Western Michigan game. And the uh, and it looks like he's yeah, he's not in the depth chart either. Now Eric Alls there. Who's very good. But they like to play a lot of two and three tight ends. I mean, they do multiple packages. They'll play two and three tight ends at times. And Lachey was the leading receiver on the team with 10 through essentially two and a half games. Their schedule, Iowa's schedule is interesting to talk about. They have to play that Cyhawk game every year. And they won. But Iowa State can't move the ball. They lost a lot on, on, the, on their offense because of the gambling probe. 
And Western Michigan, Western Michigan has one win. You know who the win for Western Michigan was against? Jack looked at me and said, well, they're one and one. They can't be that bad. I said, Jack, their win was against St. Francis of Loretto. He says, what? I said, yeah. So, I, you know, Iowa has stats, and they're great stats, and we know personnel-wise Joe Evans is really good. No, get Logan Lee's really good. Jay Higgins is really good. Nick Jackson, the transfer from Virginia, really good. Quentin Schulte's really good. Cooper DeGene at corner, really good. So you know that they've got that, right? But they haven't faced a team yet that really is capable of challenging what they're doing out there. I mean, Western Michigan's one win was against St. Francis. Okay. I just, I can't tell. Now, I can tell because I know their personnel. And the same thing on offense. You can tell certain things as you know how they want to play, they know the style of play and so forth. But I'm not even sure they know how good they are at this point. Utah State was the opener. Utah State Utah State may be the best team they played. And that was a good hard fought game. And they won the game by 10. But Air Force beat Utah State. Utah State's only win is over Idaho State. I mean, that, that's, I mean if you are a um, an Iowa fan, you're happier 3-0 because, I mean, but to be honest with you, anything less than 3-0 would have been really... based on the opponents at this point. Like, eh. And I know Iowa State's an emotional in-state rivalry, and that game was on the road. But Iowa State's 1-2 and two on the season. And just lost to Ohio University. 10-7. 10-7. Iowa State's only wins over Northern Iowa. But you know what? A, wins are, wins are, a win is a win. And here's the reason why. South Alabama beat Oklahoma State over the weekend. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if you're aware of that. South Alabama beat Oklahoma State. I've already referenced Ohio University beat Iowa State 10-7. Big win for Conference USA. No, Sun Belt, big win for the Sun Belt, big win for the MAC against Power 5 teams.
And Texas is sitting there in the fourth quarter tie with Wyoming. Florida State survived by two against Boston College. Boston College committed 18 penalties. Alabama went 17-3. to Georgia, at home, rallied from 11 down and beat South Carolina 24-14. South Carolina can't run the ball, or that is Georgia's defense. And they do have Spencer Rattler at quarterback. But everywhere you looked this weekend, there were a bunch of games that were not easy games, even though you didn't have ranked versus ranked. Now, Matt will be paying no attention to the Penn State game on Saturday night, despite claims of multiple TVs. <laughs> All right, this will it will be the ultimate watch party when I've got Notre Dame, Ohio State on one, Penn State, Iowa on another. You'll be locked in. Oh, yeah, I'll be locked in so- in multiple on ways. So- on South Bend. <laughs> Sam Hartman drops back to pass. Nicholas Singleton could run 82 yards for a touchdown. Like, yeah, okay, I saw that. Okay, we'll mention it Monday. Well, that's true, but then I'll go back and look at it if I missed it. You'll be watching Notre Dame, Ohio State. You can admit it. It's your team. No, I am going to try to watch everything as equally as I can. Hence why we have the two different devices going. The Notre Dame-Ohio State game will be very interesting. Sam Hartman. First of all, uh, how healthy is he, first of all? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I haven't really thought about it. Um, So, uh, (laughs) Sam Hartman is an upgraded quarterback for Notre Dame. He's older. He knows how to play. He knows how to see the field. Do I see a pro future for him? I think he can make the 53-man roster, but I don't see him as a next-level quarterback. I just don't. If he were a next-level quarterback, he'd have entered the draft last year, don't you think? Probably, yeah. It bothers you when I make sense. (laughs) I'm just happy to have a guy that can throw the ball down the field and have a vertical passing game again. But as a college quarterback, he's very good. Now, Ohio State does not the same thing Illinois does, but Ohio State has always played a lot of one high safety. A lot of NFL concept. And Ohio State's defense the last two years has been good, but not great. Doesn't mean they don't have some great players there. Tommy Eichenberg, 35, linebacker, heck of a player. I mean, Matt, really good. Steel Chambers, 22, the outside linebacker, former running back, really good player. So they've got some guys over there who can play. Then offensively, McCord is still in the process of getting his feet under him as a quarterback, but he's got Henderson, Williams, Stover at tight end, Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison 
he will be, without question, the best receiver Notre Dame will see all year. Without question. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is a legitimately great college player. So it should be quite a game on Saturday night. If you do the improper thing and focus away from Penn State. (laughs) Say if you just care about yourself. Not about the show or teamwork or anything (laughs) like that. Oh, I I will be locked in in South Bend and in Happy Valley. You're you're just I'm telling you right now, you're gonna you're look, just admit it. Hey, hey, to you it's background noise. (laughs) Hey, I wish they weren't playing at the same time. Yeah, no. I actually think it was kind of dumb, from a really from an objective standpoint. I'm not just saying this selfishly. Like I think it was kind of dumb. I know Penn State Iowa. The actual matchup in itself is not great, but to put this up again, the whiteout, which is something. It was one of the greatest spectacles in college football. To put that up against one of the better games of the year could be with Notre Dame and Ohio State. I, they College football missed the ball on that one. They should have been separate weeks or at least separate times. Well, the reason NBC's doing that game and not the game here, you know why, right? It's a Notre Dame home game. So NBC oh, is right, the right, right. To it. Oh, do I have to come that up with all the answers? Oh, yeah, going on. Of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, then just then they should have made the this game different than the whiteout because I know the whiteout. This was probably the best week to do it from Penn State side of things. So they could have done this game later in the year. But whatever, we'll make it work. We well, no, you you know, no because. Ohio State worked its schedule around, you know, both schools have to work around their conference schedule. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. See, that's the issue. you got to work around your conference schedule. Ohio State's already played a conference game with Indiana. This is their last non-conference game. Conversely, Penn State has another non-conference game to go with UMass after this. What's interesting is that when the month is over with, when the month is over with, Penn State will have completed all their games in crossover. So Penn State will play. They already played at Illinois. They have Iowa Saturday at Northwestern. When they play UMass, which will be game six, all their non-conference games in the regular season are done. All their crossover games with the Western Division are done. The final six games are all Eastern Division games. I'm glad I could point that out to you because I mean you're because because you're showing no interest. When when I brought up Notre Dame and Ohio State and started breaking down the matchup, you were mentally engaged. Right? Then I started talking about Penn State again, and you kind of drifted off. Started like you know like 
replying to emails. <laughs> New Kulong next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Want to work for a stable yet growing company? Got it. Want to work for a family-owned business with over 100 years' experience in taking care of customers and employees? Got it. Want to work for a leader in selling more cars and satisfying more customers? Got it. Who has all that? SMC Sunbury Motor Company is looking for technicians across all their departments. Whether you're an entry-level technician, an experienced technician, or someone looking for a career change, Sunbury Motors would love to hear from you. They're looking for technicians for their quick lane, car and light truck service, heavy truck service, body shop, and frame and alignment division. You can apply online at sunburymotors.com, in person at our North 4th Street location, or call Todd at 570-286-7746. Your new career of working on Fords, Kias, Hyundais, Western Star trucks, plus anything that fits in the door, and some things that don't. Join Sunbury Motors. Your new career is waiting for you. Executed victory last night. No. We'll um, talk about the, we'll talk about Deshaun Watson and the great progress he's no. Uh <laughs> does Aaron Judge still play for the Yankees? Uh <laughs> Wow. I barely know if the Yankees are still playing, period. Oh, you just you just give up so easily. Come on, you guys spent two hundred seventy nine million. They're gonna have a ceremony, they're gonna put two hundred seventy nine million in the on the pitcher's mound and burn it. That'll draw a crowd. <laughs> it's football season. Yeah, but you're only watching one team. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And a tremendous service department that backs it all up. Routine, the difficult, they handle it all. It's one-stop vehicle shopping at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf. I mean, one quick question for you, Matt. You a fan of Chad Ochocinco? No. I also found him very annoying and nauseating. And glad he's out of the league. Remember, remember all the jewelry he used to wear? Or still probably does. He probably still is, yeah. And the stupid golden like, teeth. You didn't like that, did you? No. The guy was over, even overrated as a player. He wasn't even that good as a player, in my view. Really, like honestly, objectively looking at it, he was so overrated as a player. It was more about the hype and, and the off-the-field antics than it was about him being the actual player. He wasn't that good a player. All that jewelry was fake. That doesn't shock me one bit. The golden teeth were probably fake, too. Okay, do you want to know why? Why? 
because he didn't want to waste his money on on frivolous things. He went for the look, but he wanted to save his money. That's why he's not broke. Not good for him, I guess. This is the part where you say you learned something. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I still think he's nauseating. He speaks highly of you. All right, it's Tuesdays and the best half hour of the week. Is always with the incredible Neil Kulong, sir. Welcome. As always, it was great to be here. I can't believe I I, uh, I came into a conversation with so much Chad Johnson hate. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, it, the, he was a little bit better player than he's getting credit for, but he is one of those guys that did not. Yeah, okay, but was one of those guys that did not want to quote blow his money. He was made his money, and he made sure. That he kept it. What I heard, I I don't know if this is true or not, but it fits right in line with that. There was a a stretch of time his rookie year um, after he got drafted, probably before training camp, instead of getting a a place to live, he lived at the stadium to save money. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You hear stuff like that. It's always consistent, though. You don't want to call him cheap, per se, but that's kind of – kind of what uh, the impression that you got from him but he was very tight with his money he was very responsible uh, I just think that's the funniest thing considering yeah. the, the persona that he built up and the, the, yeah. the animosity the heat that he created mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I found him just endlessly hilarious he was just such a, a strange guy yeah. I, I, I yeah. got a big kick out of him I would go with frugal frugal it's a nice word that's a nice Word that Maddie wouldn't use because I mean when he's on a hate roll, no. <laughs> so. All right. So last night's work of art. Uh, stick figures are art too, aren't they? Hey, that's that's excellent. I wish I had that last night. That's exactly how I would have described it. it art is a a wide umbrella. You know, games I guess can can be described similarly. That was that was a memorable train wreck. And the the thing is, it was each team they they mirrored each other. You know, obviously Steelers fans are are largely upset over everything that was going on, but it was as if Cleveland kept them in the match the whole way. You know, trying to to sell the bit that these were two teams. Uh, capable of, of winning in the NFL, they both played very poorly in, in many instances to a point where we saw another uh, entry into the contest of determining what Kenny Pickett's worst game as a pro is. And I'm not sure he was even the worst quarterback on the field. No, he was I not. Mean, it, it, it was, was no, awful. he was the better quarterback. Yep. That, that that says absolutely nothing, um, except Cleveland is, has invested a lot of money into the wrong guy. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I You know, Steve, I don't think he's coming back. I remember talking about this with you last year. Yeah. I, I was willing to give him a little bit, you know, for, for Rust, um, getting the feel for the offense, his teammates, everything like that. But he moved like an athlete 
twice as old as he was. Um, we saw some glimpses of his arm, but I, I walked away from that thinking he's one of the quarterbacks that's a year or two removed physically uh, from playing anymore. You know, the, yeah. the end of the Matt Ryan era, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, to an extent, Tom Brady, certainly Peyton Manning. Um, their physical traits were were gone by the end. They existed on their experience and their guile more than anything. Watson did not have any guile last night. He should have been thrown out of the game at one point. Um, it's not often that you see a quarterback that can't run being asked to run multiple times and ending each of those runs with an egregious face mask penalty. Yeah. Only right. two of which he got called for. And right. then to engage the Steelers' sideline after the play in a game that his team, I, they were winning at that point. Yeah. Uh, and then to shove the official, which I, I said at the time, I mean, I don't know how you get away with You're going to have to throw him out. Right. You know, it was so obvious on, in front of a national audience. It was all they could do to not throw him out. Um, and that that might not have been the worst part of his game either. I mean, he had some really poor decisions. Um, it was clear that they were not going to attempt to throw the ball deep down the field. When they lost Nick Chubb, which in and of itself was, was an awful scene for such a great player, um, their offense completely collapsed. And they still had a running back. <laughs> their backup running back, I think, was still better than the Steelers' running backs were. Yeah. And they were productive. They could still move the ball. But every key situation, as, as Mike Tomlin would say, every weighty down, it seemed like they were begging Deshaun Watson to do something. And he refused to do anything with it. And more than anything, uh, that's why Cleveland lost this game as opposed to Pittsburgh winning it. Um, but, it, you know, Steelers get the win. Neither team walks out of that feeling real good about what they just saw, what, how they just performed. That was that was really bad. Even for week two, that was really bad. Yeah, it's interesting. I, we've become so spoiled over the years at looking at the longevity of Tom Brady, the longevity of of Aaron Rodgers. There's a list of guys where older quarterbacks in this league have performed very well. And then you see Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, and we're seeing shelf life before our very eyes and two franchises that didn't see it, and they're going to get burned by it. To varying levels of catastrophic mistake. I mean, you know, from, from Denver's end, I didn't think it was a great move, all things considered, but yes. it was a move that you could see that they had to make, you know, it's a gamble that they had to make. I don't think Cleveland needed to do that. Um, and that this is the most hindsight is 2020 statement of all time, but only an owner willing to take a, a, an uneducated significant risk would do everything that they did. Let's keep in mind there, there are three components to the Deshaun Watson move. One, everything that he was accused of. Um, yep. We'll call it an accusation, but there, there are 53 guys plus the coaches in the locker room. They have wives, sisters, daughters, mothers. You're dividing your locker room 
when when you bring in a player like that, plain and simple. If you're willing yep. to accept that, okay, but that's what you're doing. Two, uh, you traded a generation's worth of draft picks to acquire mm-hmm. that locker room distraction. So you're all in. This is Cortez burning the ships when he reached the new land. You know, yeah. there's nothing you're going to be able to do to get out of it. And to put the kicker on top of it, let's give him the biggest contract of all time, the least movable and the least cuttable contract in NFL history, which means regardless of anything, this guy is strapped to your team until it is extremely painful to cut him in year four. It's physically impossible to do so until then. They, they would have the gross domestic product of Cuba in cap hits if yeah. they cut him. They couldn't feel the team if right. they were to cut him. They're strapped to him for, for this season plus another uh, two before it's kind of okay to get rid of him. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe a little bit okay. And he's playing like, right now like he's 45 years old. So there are dark things coming for, for Cleveland. Um, a, a team that really made this move with the idea in mind that we have one of the best, most balanced rosters in the NFL. And that was true. You have Nick Chubb. You have Miles Garrett. Um, I, I continue to be more than impressed uh, with, with their secondary, the way that they've added to that. Denzel Ward is a phenomenal player, played really yes. well last night. Um, they, they, Darius Smith, great free agent acquisition. They have a smart front office. They just can't seem to put this together, and it's hard to get past the fact that your quarterbacks over the last 17-plus two games have been a combination of Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson's ghost. There's, mm-hmm. there's nothing left for them to get except for this position, and it's the one position they're not going to be able to fill. Uh, for for quite a while in in a meaningful way. I mean, they're 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 not going to draft somebody. Um, Kevin Stefanski, if he doesn't make this work, unfortunately for him, he's probably looking for for a, a new opportunity, and that might be good for him because I don't think there is a coach uh, right now that's going to get more out of Deshaun Watson than what we're seeing. Because physically, I just I don't think he has it anymore. Yeah, agreed. Conversely, let's get to Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was the better of the two quarterbacks last night after a 50% performance. At some point, something has either got to kick in or this is it. What are you seeing in Kenny Pickett right now, and where do you think the tipping point is for him? Mechanically, he's all over the board. Um, yeah. He doesn't look, you know, it's the old golf adage. Your, your swing looks like you're unfolding a lawn chair. That's kind of what it looks like right now with Pickett throwing the ball. There are times that his arm is moving way faster than his hips. Uh, his feet are not in the right place. Uh, his shoulders aren't in the right place. It, it's He's mechanically very flawed. And I think, to, to me, and I'm not a quarterback's coach, just watching the guy. I watched the game mm-hmm. last night. I watched it again today, specifically looking at Pickett to try to see – uh, what we can glean from it, um, he's forcing the ball. He's throwing much harder than he probably has to. You know, the, also the old adage: "Don't aim, throw." Well, Pickett mm-hmm. is just throwing. There's no touch to what he's doing, um, and they are failing so quickly into every series. He's put into very difficult downs often. Go back and look the, the one successful play that the the post that they ran uh, to to George Pickens that he took for seventy one yards. 
Um, the one play where Cleveland's defense just completely fell asleep. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. uh, you know, miscommunication there. Pickens was wide open in the middle of the field when he caught that ball, and every Browns defender was stopped when he got it. Clear path the whole way. Pickett saw that when he dropped back. He, he saw where he was going with the ball. He stood and he delivered, and he threw a catchable ball. It's a nice NFL throw. But he only threw three or four passes that were, were quality last night. Uh, he missed the, you know, underneath, the, um, behind receivers again quite a bit. Uh, didn't have a whole lot of touch on shorter stuff. And there were a couple screen passes that had absolutely no chance of, of being completed. This is the point where we inject the, the everyone's favorite um, coordinator, Matt Canada, um, in, into the mix. There's not a whole lot that you can do um, in the game to fix a quarterback's mechanics. If mentally uh, he's out of it, I, I first and foremost you offer that up. Play calling is secondary to execution. That's that's the way the game works. Um, but you're going to have to find out a way to manufacture something because while the play calling itself is not something I'm putting uh, at the top of the list, it absolutely is a concern, just not as much as the overall direction and the overall coordination of an offense that is, reasonably speaking, one of the three to five worst in the NFL. And this yeah. is the second time they've started off, not just poorly, but among the worst in the league. And that that's not hyperbole. That's really where they are right now. And, uh, you know, I, I think covering the Steelers, watching the Steelers, we should be used to this. But <laughs> that's not really yeah. uh, the way that you want to go after an optimistic offseason, um, some good execution uh, from the preseason. They're nowhere close too competitive with what they have and just like last year after two games they're really lucky to be one-on-one by by all rights i would say normally uh any other season you're zero and two but apparently not this year or last year so uh they're, they're able to pull something out of that consistently uh it's just going to take that level of failure from your opponent and last year from cincinnati uh in, in order to win games you're not going to be around long and it makes your the second half of your season that much harder. And it, it just seems like this is the same thing over and over again. Um, something's got to give. And, it, you know, it, it would be reasonable. It, I, I don't remember the last time they dismissed a coordinator in the middle of the season. I know that, that Mike Tomlin has not done that in his tenure. Uh, right. This, to me, looks like a situation which uh, mm-hmm. that has to be considered at this point. Yeah, Kenny Pickett, when he throws it, he's hoping to make a play. Okay, big-time quarterbacks are up there, and they're they're ma- they're looking to make a play. Not hoping, they're looking to make a play. That's a big difference. Defensively, though, Watt, Highsmith, big nights last night. Watt's always really, really good. Is it hard for you to tell where the Steelers' defense is? Because against San Francisco, they were eh, and last night it was Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. You got to keep in mind, Cleveland did that with Deshaun Watson and two running backs who carved them up. Um, yeah. A gap, B gap, contain was a mess. Some of that you're going to put on the, the absence of a great player like Cam Hayward, but it's not as if uh, we didn't see that in Week One either. Um, they're they're in trouble up front. Uh, the defensive line is not moving the direction that I, I thought that they would be. 
uh, at this point of the year. And I, I would have said this before. Um, in fact, I, I did last week, and there were obviously a rash of injuries. But for if we were to consider the value coming, a value of, of contribution coming from the player added with the gap between that player and their backup, I would argue the three most valuable players in the team are Cam Hayward, Deontay Johnson, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Hayward and Johnson did not play. Fitzpatrick went down with a pretty kind of scary, weird type of, of, of injury. Right. Um, they won a game without those three players involved. And the fact that you needed Watson to make a critical mistake, you needed the athleticism of Highsmith and Watt, players that combined outscored your entire offense last night. Um, it, for, for the Steelers to win that with, a, you know, a, a really rough secondary, if, if Minka is not in there, they're not in very good shape. Uh, Levi Wallace to this point, and I'm, I'm piling on, I know, but Levi Wallace might be the worst <laughs> defender I've seen in football this season. He's not he's, good. He's really rough. I don't yeah. think he's physically up to the job. Uh, Patrick Peterson is—he's going to get targeted a few more times. Let's just say that. Um, it, I think you could have flagged Joey Porter for that at the end. They're—they're it, they're in trouble defensively, and it's not going to get better. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what uh, Minka's situation is going to be moving forward. Uh, Tomlin kind of couched it, saying he's in the building. Uh, they think he's okay. We'll we'll see on a shorter week uh, what he's able to do, but if he's not in there and he's not 100, you're out, you're without Hayward for a while. Um, they're they're in trouble. Those corners are are uh, really not up to the the average level that you hope that they would be. And uh, you know the good news is they can't stop the run either. So uh, they're they're going to have a tough uh, a tough hill to climb here the next couple games at least. Yeah, I don't think there's a question about that. <laughs> and what's interesting is that what could really help Kenny pick it out, what could help him out, is a running game, and they don't have it because they don't block it well enough. I'm not sure what happened in in the setup for this season. We're seeing worse offensive line play than we saw last year when it was a major yeah. problem. We are yeah. seeing worse running back play uh, when the, the narrative was Najee Harris is hurt. That's why he's not explosive. There was a play, two of them, last night in which fans were screaming up and down, including, I won't name names, but including a former professional offensive lineman complaining about the amount of sweeps that they were running to Najee Harris. They weren't yep. sweeps. They were inside zone plays that Najee Harris, yep. for some reason, ran horizontally toward the sideline. Um, that's a major problem. Like, your feature running back, his vision is so cut off, he is turning his shoulders completely west and running toward the sideline during a play. Nothing is going to destroy a zone run more than that. Nothing is going to destroy your ability to gain yards than that. I'm not letting the offensive line off the hook. They have not been tough up front. Uh, it seems like they're getting off the ball slowly, and it seems like they're, they're not anchored, they're not strong at the point of attack, and they're getting pushed back. Now, they are playing two very good defensive fronts, so not that that lets them off the hook. <laughs> it just shows that maybe they're not yeah. going to be this bad compared to average. But Harris, the, the, the lack of vision that he continues to show 
on a game-to-game basis is a, a big concern to a point where it's not like Jalen Warren made hay all day either, but you can't watch yesterday's game and say that Jalen Warren is worse than Najee Harris. You, you can't. Uh, objectively speaking, in a vacuum, take away all the hype, um, Harris is the, the bigger player. He should be the better runner, yes. but he's not. So it, at the end of the day, you, you've got a multitude of problems with your running game that mirror the exact problems that you had last year with largely the same personnel. So what happens? <laughs> you spent a bunch of money. Uh, you, you improved considerably last year over the second half of the year, and now you've taken a full, if not step and a half backwards. That the, the all roads lead back to Canada, I guess, because ultimately it, it, it's under the coordinator to have had these issues addressed. It seems like it's a bigger problem um, than it was at this point last year. Well, there are more exciting offenses in Canada right now. All right, so thanks so much, <laughs> Neil. As always, appreciate you, my friend. Tuesdays with Neil, always the best. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. That wraps it up for today. I mean, he had to jump in on your takedown of Chad Ochocinco. Who didn't, who was frugal, doesn't blow his money, and you can't appreciate it. You just you just can't. It's a good example for young people going into uh, pro sports. Like, take care of your cash. Don't don't blow it. I'll go to the dentist if I want to see golden teeth. See now you want to look like them. There you go. Hey, I knew you'd come around. Today's show has been brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Almost Wharf Online at sunburymotors.com here on News Radio 1070, WKOK.